Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And now it's time for the Scores Bears Post Post Game Show, starring score football expert and former NFL player Anthony Heron on Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans, always live on the free Odyssey app. What's up, Shaw City? It's Anthony Heron here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Taking you up to Sunday night football coverage between the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, of course, tomorrow, a Horizon Therapeutic Bears Monday all day here on The Score. So you'll hear me back on at uh, 11 a.m. With, uh, with Dan and Lawrence, with Bernstein and Holmes, and, of course, Bears coverage all day throughout the day tomorrow. But you got me for the better part of the next hour here, leading you up to Sunday night football as the Bears Went on the road to the Motor City. They uh, they fooled me. I don't know if they were trying to talk themselves into it throughout the week or if there was a a legitimate belief that they were excited, that they were prepared for the hostile environment that they were going to step into. But I was talking about it on the pregame show this morning with Mully and Patrick Manley, just that I was convinced the Bears were going to show up, play hard, play well, play competitively because they've been a competitive squad in the majority of the games this season. Even when they have gotten down by big margins, they've been able to find a way to fight their way back into the majority of the games this year, but that just was not the case today. Lions take down the Bears 41-10. to One game remains in this regular season, and Detroit, who under Dan Campbell in the second year, under Dan Campbell, they are now on the precipice. They have the potential, the possibility of a playoff berth. They need a little bit of help. Not only will they need to go on and win their final regular season game against the Green Bay Packers, who are absolutely throttling the Minnesota Vikings right now in the third quarter of that game. Green Bay has a clear path to the playoffs win, and the Packers will be in, presuming they hang on to a 27-3 lead over the Vikings that they have at the moment. But for the Lions, they need a little bit of help uh, from Seattle and from Washington, but they'll have a chance. And the Bears... 
do not have that chance. They knew that going into today, of course, that they were already eliminated from playoff contention as a three-win team. But from what we heard throughout the week from Matt Eberflus, from Justin Fields, from Bears players, they sounded excited about going into that Ford Field atmosphere knowing that there were going to be people figuratively hanging from the rafters there. You know, not literally. People overuse the word literally when it doesn't actually suit the, the circumstance. I don't think there were literally people hanging from the rafters, but it was a standing room only crowd in Detroit at Ford Field for a fan base very excited about what's happening in the second year of that regime. And so I think for Bears fans, frankly, for the Bears themselves at Hallis Hall, there, there's a team within their division that they can look to and say, you know what, there, there's a chance here for, and we've seen examples all around the National Football League, for what can become of a squad that struggled the year before, that was at the bottom of their division, that was the worst in their division, and then find a way to be first. That worst-to-first storyline happens frequently in the NFL, and uh, I would say maybe more so, maybe not more so than any other sport, but certainly as frequently as the majority of other professional sports out there. So the Bears can look to the team that was across the sideline from them today and recognize that there is a possibility to build something for next year. But for New Year's Day of 2023, you know, you can be hopeful about what happens in the fall of 2023, but right now, wintertime, New Year's Day 2023, I was, uh, I was struck by just how much better the Detroit Lions not only were today, but frankly, just how much better their roster is than the Bears. And when they played the Lions early in the season, I didn't necessarily, you know, as I've been saying on this station and other outlets throughout the season, coming into the season, the Bears are, are dealing with a roster. Even when it was at full strength, they've been dealing with a roster that wasn't going to, from a personnel perspective, measure up with uh, uh, with the bulk of the teams who they faced on their schedule this season. They just, they, they don't have a roster that is that is rife with playmakers, with with elite level athletes and playmakers. Now, you know, for standard people walking walking around the street for all the civilians out there, yes, any player in the National Football League is just, you know, uh tenfold a, a better athlete than you are. But that being said, by comparison to other NFL players, the Bears roster is not as physically gifted. You know, players who who can be like a DeAndre Swift. You know, I mean the, the Bears are good at running back between David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert, but by comparison, the Detroit Lions with Jamal Williams prepared to potentially at least tie, maybe break the single-season Lions touchdown record held by, yes, maybe the best pure running back, certainly the most elusive running back we've ever seen in the history of the National Football League in Barry Sanders. Jamal Williams now with 15 rushing touchdowns on the season and Barry Sanders with 16. So he's really good but then they can rotate deandre swift in there who's as gifted just as as physically gifted as any running back in football i mean i think for just pure raw physical traits saquon barkley probably tops the list and then there's a few other guys in the discussion, you know, not in productivity, not in mentality, not in all-around execution, not in consistency of the urgency that they play with because DeAndre Swift certainly, he doesn't bring the curve up in consistency of, of the urgency that he plays the game with. 
But man, if that's if that's the dude who you just kind of rotate in when he feels up for it, when he's not banged up, when the coach isn't ticked off at him, and you just see when he gets the football in his hands, he just moves differently than most other humans. And that's just one position group that's an example of how the the Detroit Lions, of all rosters in football, they're just different than the Bears in a variety of key spots. They have continued to draft well, draft high on the offensive line and go out and get uh, you know, the, the Frank Ragniles of the world in, in key spots to, to bring in and upgrade their personnel. I've just talked through running back. Of course, wide receiver. They, they've been getting by at wide receiver without even. I was talking about just raw physical tools and, and just the, the blur that is Jamison Williams. He's, he's barely been on the field for them this season, and he's a guy who looks like he could. He certainly has the potential to develop into a true stud as a wideout. You look at him anytime he's got the ball in his hands, and, and where for Valus Jones, he's one of the individuals for the Bears that looks like, all right, there's some touchdown potential there. He looks like he can maybe rip off a big play if somebody's in the wrong gap and he can run away from people. Even Valus Jones doesn't move like Jamison Williams. So the, the Bears have very few individuals who you look at them when they get the rock and you say, man, they're, they're going to have trouble catching him, let alone bringing him to the ground. There's just not a lot of guys on the Bears who move like that. I, I like David Montgomery a lot. I, I liked him when they drafted him. As I met him on the – it was the orange carpet when, when the Bears first uh, – you know, the, the very first season David Montgomery came in, it was the centennial of the Bears. And I, I was a Hawkeye, and he was a Cyclone. I met him on the orange carpet, got to chop it up with him for a little bit. We had, a, you know, some quick back and forth, some jokes about that. And I'm I'm a big David Montgomery guy, but he's not someone who, when he gets the rock, you're like, man, that's a touchdown waiting to happen. You're, oh, this is going to be an impressive run that maybe goes for a first down, but not a touchdown. That's what you need. That's what the Bears don't have a lot of. And when you compare the Bears' current roster, even with the Lions' current roster, you do see today was a stark reminder of the difference in just the overall just physical traits that the Bears currently have on their roster and the upgrades that will be necessary for them as they, as the folks at House Hall look to begin, you know, taking the North and not giving it back and competing for division titles and consistency of playoff berths and who knows, down the road somewhere, Super Bowl berths, you'll need a whole lot of guys who who get it done physically at a much higher level. And that's just offense we're talking about. That's not even the pass rushers that the Lions were throwing at the Bears. So I want to make sure we open up the phone lines here, 312-644-6767, 312-644-6767. I will certainly get into some of the minutiae of, of the game itself here, the matchup itself, but I wanted to lead with that. Just what really struck me about the game today, comparing the Chicago Bears with the Detroit Lions, and I mean, it was um, I don't know, probably a little over a month ago as the, the question started to circulate more and more about whether or not the Bears would lose out, not even the whether or not it's beneficial, but just even through the lens of the Bears will take the field and compete and attempt to win a game or games before the end of the season. And as folks, you know, like my guy Lou Canella, so I just finished up across the street with Bears Post Game Live, and different people started asking me, do you think the Bears are going to win another game this year? I said, uh, yeah, I think they will. I think they'll win at least one more game. And this game today was the one I continue to point to. I think they're going to beat – the Lions, like either the Lions or the Vikings, one of these divisional teams who you know they know pretty well and who a lot of the players have competed against before wearing the Bears uniforms. Uh, nah, now, not only did they not defeat the Lions, but 
but were blown off the field, born blown off a of Ford Field in Detroit by the Lions, and just the the sheer physical traits that the Lions have at receiver and running back and offensive line and and pass rusher. Man, how about James Houston? How about Aiden Hutchinson? These are young football players. These are rookies for the Detroit Lions who, you know, obviously Hudson, a, a very high-level NFL draft pick who's expected, you know, as he got drafted. You draft a guy that high, whatever he was, number two overall, you draft a guy in that slot, you expect he should put up impressive numbers. That When you draft that high, you're hoping for it in a different manner to Ryan Pace who would draft projects consistently and hope that we could figure something out with Leonard Floyd or Mitchell Trubisky or Kevin White or, you know, a variety of, of projects that Ryan Pace drafted in the top 10, Aiden Hutchinson, Slotty gets drafted in. He comes in, and, and he is performing at the level that you hope for. Is, is he one of the best defenders in football yet? You know, I wouldn't go that far. But number two overall pick, top rookie sack artist, several interceptions on the season, pass deflections, tackles for loss, plays his tail offline all over the field. You would like a number two pick to be as productive as Aiden Hutchinson has been this season, but he's not the only one. James Houston out of Jackson State playing with uh, for Deion Sanders, playing for Coach Prime over there for Jackson State the last couple of years in his rookie season. He's only played six games, and he just wrecks shop when he steps onto the field. So there, there's a variety of position groups that the Detroit Lions bring to the table where you look at that and you say, okay, that's at least that's a team that presents problems, that presents matchup issues. They felt so great about their offense they traded away a guy who, who's as capable as any, you know, as most tight ends in football. T.J. Hawkinson isn't, isn't George Kittle, another fellow Hawkeye as well. You know, T.J. Hawkinson isn't George Kittle, or I'm, I'm sorry, but he's not, uh, he's not Travis Kelsey. You know, he's not amongst the, the best, the very best in the business, but a more than capable, a, a Pro Bowl caliber tight end in his traits and his skills. They're willing to trade Hawkinson away. They, they felt that great about what they had remaining on offense, and it shows why. And I haven't even gotten to the quarterbacks for what Jared Goff brings to the table here. So, you know, impressive personnel. And Detroit isn't the top roster in football. They're not the top roster in the NFC. And there's just there's a stark contrast between the physical ability of the Lions roster versus just the pure physical ability, the, the traits available to players on the Bears roster. 312 644 67 67 that's just kind of my my first blush reaction to what we saw today watching the bears lose by 31 points to the detroit lions let's get to the phone lines here for a little bit before we end up taking our first time out let's go out to mike who's been on hold for a moment mike what's happening big a how you doing i'm doing great all right uh number one i turned the game off uh probably about halfway through the third quarter (laughs) just couldn't do it anymore Uh, huh mike no, I, I, I couldn't. Uh, what is, uh, I mean, if you're Matt, if you're uh, Pulse, okay, if you're Ryan Pulse, okay, how long do you stick with this Matthew We Were Loose? That's all I really got got to say. All right? All right. Um, so, I, you're talking about the Bears head coach, Matt Eberflus. How long do you stick with him? Now, and I'm, I'm going to take some time to talk Chase Claypool uh, after I take my first break here because there, I think there are examples of the desire that that I'm, I'm going to use the collective we 
even though I, I try to be the, the sort of the opposing voice that reminds people of of patience. And Chase Claypool is an, is an example where I think patience is, is worthy of perhaps running out a, a bit at this point, at least waning. Patience can begin waning on Claypool. But I'll, I'll talk about him after I come back from a timeout. But to the, the question that, that Mike had about Eberflus, I would say that since he hasn't even completed his first season yet, and the, the, the examples that I'm laying out of where the roster that he has access to at the moment isn't even near on par with the Detroit Lions. And that's, that's not even intended as shade at the Lions. The Lions were 1-6 early in the season because they were, you know, frankly, their coaching staff wasn't coaching at a high level, was making critical decision errors that, that led to some of these losses. But you look at the last two years, what were the Lions? A three-win team last year, and then they started off 1-6 and six this year. And it, it looked like, oh, okay, that, that press conference that we were all, you know, goofing on, on Detroit about and Dan Campbell about when he first took the gig about biting kneecaps and all that trash, then, yeah, everybody thought, okay, so you, you got some goofball as the coach and they're on hard knocks and he's yelling and doing, you know, burpees and, and crying and everything else. And like, all right, that's exactly what we expected. Lo and behold, you never know what's happening between the walls. You never know what belief in, in the coach, belief in the system, what those players and, and what they're doing. And, you know, it's kind of the Detroit is the other team that kind of embodies the hits principle that Matt Eberflus holds very dear to him. But you got Dan Campbell in year two. I would say, you know, to to give a, a answer to the question from Colin Mike that before the end of year one, when they when they stripped the roster of a lot of the remaining talent that was there to plan for, expenditures moving towards next season. I, I do not believe it is anywhere near time to to move on from Matt Eberflus yet. I think it's a fair question of how do we truly evaluate Matt Eberflus, the job that he, that his coordinators, Luke Getze and Alan Williams, what has the Bears coaching staff shown us in this first season, and how do we evaluate that while I believe it's fair to take into account, to grade them on the curve of, of what they have available to them talent-wise with this roster. I, I don't think there's necessarily one right or wrong answer with that. If you've seen things that you think indicate Matty Bufluz isn't a good coach, I think it's fair to point that out. While at the same time, I'd say the most the most fair way to go about this is to say it is at least, at, at best, an incomplete. Because he hadn't even completed a season yet, and we do know, we've all been talking in detail about this roster and where they, in theory, are planning to resource the roster with far better talent, far deeper talent, headed towards next season. 312 It's post-post show. I'm taking you up to Sunday Night Football coverage right here. I see Wayne. I see Arthur. I see other phone lines lighting up here. Go ahead and give me a call. We're reacting to the Bears on the road in Detroit, going down on the road at Ford Field. Big loss to the Detroit Lions. When I return, I got some thoughts on Chase Claypool, though, because I've, I've tried. I've attempted to be rather patient with the, the Chase Claypool evaluation. But today concerns me. I'm going to tell you why. Do that on the other side of this timeout and get out to the phone lines as well. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Big Ant Heron. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. 
You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You know, he's a, he's a hard worker. I know he wants to be great. So I think, you know, just the more time we get to spend with each other, the more time we'll get to, you know, know each other. And um, I told some, some guys in there just, you know, just being able to practice early in the week, that just gets me on the same page as him, just, you know, seeing how he runs routes and this stuff like that. So, of course, we want to get him the ball. But, um, yeah, I mean, just being passionate about the game like he is and, you know, his, his want to be great, I, I think it's good for our team, and we're, we're just going to keep getting better and keep growing in there. That was the voice of Bears quarterback Justin Fields talking about the player that Ryan Poles traded a second-round pick for. Chase Claypool himself was drafted in the second round back in 2020, 49th pick in that draft. Traded for a pick that right now looks like I think it'll be, what, the 33rd pick in the draft if the Bears uh, end up with the second overall pick. Uh, and then they traded that away to the Steelers to bring in Chase Claypool. And you know, I, I didn't have any issue with the move at the time. Uh, you know, I thought it, it showed a sign of faith by Ryan Poles to say that we, one, that they've seen enough from Justin Fields was worthy of trying to add some playmakers for him. Because in the evaluation that was able to be had up to that point in the season, they didn't have a whole lot of playmakers to be able to bless Justin Fields with at that time. So giving up a second-round pick, going into an offseason where it didn't necessarily seem like free agent receivers were going to be available at a high level, and this coming draft, you know, who knows for sure with, with the draft class, but whatever degree of evaluation Ryan Pulse had given this coming draft cycle, I guess he figured, you know what, let me go out and get a vet as opposed to bringing in some rookie that's going to have to be nurtured and brought along and perhaps the the curve won't be won't necessarily be on the same timeline we're hoping for with somebody who is maybe ready made for 2023 to do some big things in the NFL who knows for sure all the calculus that goes into that that being said for 6'4 240 running a 4'4 there's a lot of great physical traits that you you bring in with Chase Claypool and trading a second round pick for him he's very different in his physical attributes than anyone else who is here in Chicago with the Bears. That being said, 
right off the bat, folks are trying to figure out, all right, he only gets, you know, he gets less than 20 snaps in the first game that he plays with the Bears. And then he gets less than 20 snaps again in the second game he's with the Bears. And there was a lot of initial questions right away about why we hadn't seen more of Chase Claypool, why he wasn't, you know, as we're counting the play-by-play. Why weren't there more plays on the field for Claypool in game number two than in game number one? I did feel like, you know, early on, a lot of that, there was there was a little bit of overreaction, a lot of bit of overreaction with that because the guy was literally just in Pittsburgh a few days before he comes to Chicago, and so he doesn't know the playbook yet, and, and thus and so, as I've talked about in great detail on this station and others. But I looked to that Green Bay game. The Green Bay game was a spot where we did see the Bears begin to target Chase Claypool with more urgency in the first half of that game. He had six targets in that game against the Packers, but then on the one that and they were, appeared in that was three plays in a row. But then on that third time in a row where they got him the football, that was the one where he fumbles, his knee gets twisted up in this awkward manner, and you know just in the fear and an apparent injury that was there with the knee, then he puts the ball on the ground, ends up, you know, to his credit, shows toughness, grit, comes back into the game, able to finish that game against Green Bay, but is ineffective and understandably so because his knee's bothering him. Now, Matty Bufus did address it a little bit after the game today, still saying that they're kind of working through, working him back into things while dealing with the knee injury. But my expectation was that since he should be at it at an advanced stage, at, at as advanced a stage mentally with the Bears offense, this intricate wide receiver position within Luke Getze's offense, and physically, while he may not be 100%, likely, likely is not 100%, but is capable of being on the field and competing, him playing four snaps in the first half, aside from you know the the clip that that my guy Tyler Butterball just played for you there from Justin Fields about getting with him in the offseason, trying to get on the same page and finding ways to target him and how he run his routes and all those things are valid, but he wasn't even on the field a whole lot, especially not in the first half, and then even in the second half there were key moments. There's a lot of third downs. I'm looking and running the the live TV copy back trying to figure out. All right, I'm I'm counting. I see Equinemia St. Brown. I see I see Dante Pettis and. All right, I see Byron Pring. I see Cole Komet. Where is Chase Claypool? Why, why is he not out there on third downs? Like, these are critical downs in the game. You're down multiple scores, and this is a player you gave up a second-round pick for, and he's been here for a couple of months now. I don't think the playbook should, you know, not that he knows it as well as somebody who's been here since camp, but I don't think the playbook is that big of an issue. So why is Chase Claypool not even on the field more, let alone when he's out there getting more targets? So I do believe we are at a fair point now to have questions about Chase Claypool's role in this offense, why it's not more, why there's not more that are designed to be dictated towards him. And if he's not at that point where he can be a big part of this offense, then, you know, where is he at physically? Why is he even out there necessarily then if he can't necessarily play a big role in the offense? And, and it's all a delicate balance, and he'll be here through next season. So this is not sort of a final referendum on Chase Claypool as I see it, but. I'm letting you know, for me, where I tend to slow play concern, I tend to slow play giving high acclaim to anyone either. I just I like to get some tangible evidence on these things. And, you know, we are now six games into Chase Claypool as a member of the Chicago Bears with a bye week in there also. And I think it's more than fair at this point to wonder, you had two games to go, today was one of them, why wasn't Chase Claypool a bigger part of the offense? That's my big question that I had about things. 312-644-6767. Let me go back out to the phone line here. I know I got Wayne out in Lafayette. Wayne, what's happening? 
Big Ant here, and always good time radio when you and Grody's on, old buddy. Always good time radio, buddy. Appreciate I'll tell you, you, you betcha. Hey, man, I'll tell you what. I was talking to Tom Taylor and Grody earlier this week, and I said, why don't we got a Matt Suey, or why don't we try and get a Matt Suey type of fullback type of guy? Mm. And they, and uh, and I think that would be really good. And they said we already have one, and they don't use him. And and Tom Tom Thayer was like really upset because we don't use that fullback more. And uh, now as for that guy who doesn't like Eberflus, he's got us, and they re- he's got a bunch of people who aren't really great players playing really hard, and they've been in almost every game except for two or three of them this year, Big Ant. So I got to think that I got to think he's a mighty good coach, and I got to think he's going to have when we do get some good players, he's going to have them really playing hard, and we're going to be doing some winning. So- you might be right, Wayne. You might be right. You know, I'd say the and I appreciate the call. I'd say the jury is still out. My opinion on on Matt Eberflus, I do. I love the fact that it's you know. It's not a game that just when you look at all the different factors on paper, today wasn't a game that anyone should have anticipated the Bears would go out and compete at a high level, be able to hang with the Detroit Lions for up until last week as well as Detroit had played, and they went on the road. But now Detroit was coming back home. The new Ford Field was going to be sold out. The passionate Lions fan base would be you know, sort of rooting their team on and getting the peak of performance and – there was no reason to assume that Detroit wouldn't be ticked off with the way they performed last week. And just as competitors in the playoff picture, they had every intangible advantage between the home field, between some ascending health of their lineup, and being in the playoff picture, earning their way into that conversation. So today's game, there was no reason to really think that the Bears would go out there and hang with Detroit, but they convinced me of it during the week. I, I got to admit, they, they fooled me. Because I really thought with some of the commentary that was there and just factoring in how they've been playing throughout the season, to Wayne's point, that for Matt Eberflus, he's still been finding a way to get these guys to compete at a high level, to play extremely hard, and I've been impressed with that. Um, it didn't show today, so I, I was fooled by that. I don't know if the if the players on the Bears roster were trying to talk themselves into it throughout the week or just trying to talk the public into it, but sometimes you take the field and you just ain't got it. The offense, again, as has been the case really more than any other offense in the National Football League. Offense took the ball early and scored on their opening drive. Now 12 games that they've opened with a with an opening scoring drive here that's more than anyone else in the NFL. Things, as has been the case at times, fizzled from that point forward. But you know, certainly as the defense was so leaky and just getting run through by Detroit, I'm going to talk about the Bears' defense after we get to the, the top of the hour here, but a defense that was so leaky today that's a huge part of what can end up being deflating to an entire team let alone just the defense or the defensive front but I think uh you know to Wayne's point on the whole the Bears have been competitive in the majority of the games and you, know, you got to respect that while at the same time I think the the three and 13 margin hard to imagine that even if it's in the back of guys minds that that wasn't a piece of what ended up eroding the urgency that the Bears ended up playing with today. Let me get another call in before I take a time out. Uh, Arthur is out in Northbrook. Arthur, what's happening? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Oh, great. Uh, I'm good. I want to preface what I'm going to say with a few things. First of all, um, people have said we need patience, and I agree. You take a look at what Ryan Poles and Matt Everflus inherited you know, they came in, and I think we all know this, in a really bad position. Ryan Pace 
other than maybe a couple good hits. And I think Justin Fields was one. Mooney was one. You know, I, I mean, to me, Pace was like the worst GM in Bears history. <laughs> so they're put in a bad situation. They've got bloated contracts. They've got aging players. The difference between Poles and Pace is Pace wants to win now. Poles is trying to build for the future. So let's take a look at this. They tore down the roster. Uh, Poles did a, a bunch of stuff. He came in, you know, and he bolstered some draft picks, got extra draft picks. He, he signed free agents, et cetera. You know, I, I didn't expect the Bears to do any better, maybe than four or five wins a season. Okay. The key to me is that they've been competitive probably through the majority of the games. And you know what? It's kind of exciting to watch. Even though I know there's a likely chance they're going to lose, they've at least been competitive and exciting. Forget about today's game. There's been, I think the Dallas game was another blowout. But by and large, they've done better than I expected. And I think that's fair, Arthur. And, you know, even the Dallas game, the Bears offense did really well. In that Dallas game also, the Bears defense let them down in that one. And that, that's been the odd sort of juxtaposition at different points throughout the season. There were points early in the year where the offense was was the worst in football. Worst offense in football. Um, you know, like the Lucas Giolito commercial. But then, of course, you, you come out of the, the mini-buy and the offense takes off and the defense takes some steps back. Uh, you know, no Roquan, no Robert Quinn, thus and so. Um, but – on the whole, in the games where the offense has done great, the defense has done poorly. The games where the defense has done great, the offense has done poorly. Today, neither side played well. Uh, some continued good signs, though, for the Bears' kicking game. And actually, just so I don't forget to mention it later, one point that, that Patrick Manley referenced, uh, even this morning when I was on with he and Mully, he was talking about the Bears and the nice recovery last week in very difficult conditions to snap, to hold, to kick. And Cairo Santos had a great game against Buffalo last week. And one thing that Manley pointed out was even just in evaluating whether or not Cairo Santos would be, will look back to sort of being like himself, like the Cairo Santos who had been for a couple of seasons before having the stretch of struggles this year, is it going to be right down the pipe? Like every time, whether it's an extra point or a field goal, you're indoors. And so, you know, are we going to see a Cairo Santos that isn't just narrowly kind of edging it in? Is he going to look like his old self again? And I think – you know, in just two opportunities, one one extra point and one field goal try, I think we saw Cairo Santos looking comfortable, looking confident, and just splitting the uprights right down the middle. So that was that was good to see. That was probably, I would say, the one highlight. I mentioned over on Fox 32 that I don't know if there's any player, any position group that was going to look at that film today and say, yeah, I played well. I was actually discounting Cairo Santos. So credit to Cairo Santos for at least now we're seeing two games in a row Today in the Dome, but last week in really difficult conditions at Soldier Field, looking like his old self. So I found a positive. I found a positive. It, it took, uh, took a half hour into the show. I'm taking up Sunday night football coverage here. Let me take a timeout, come back. I see Joe on the line. I see John on the line. Let's get some more of you out there. If you got any thoughts on what we saw from the Bears today, 312-644-6767. I am Anthony Heron. This is the Post Post Show on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Yeah, that was some missed tackles. You know, third and 18 to start the second half. You know, I think uh, uh, one of our defensive linemen missed a tackle, and the, he spun out of it, and then our corner lost leverage and our safety lost leverage. So, again, you got to get him on the ground there. We're back with more of the Scores Bears post-post-game show with Anthony Heron on Sports Radio 670, The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans, always live on the free Odyssey app. Ah, it was so frustrating to watch. I know it was for me. I'm sure it was for you as well. Bears go to Detroit, lose 41-10. to But as much as anything, man, I mean, aside from just the, the final score aspect of it, the way that the game went down, got another half hour with you, taking you up to Sunday Night Football coverage here on the score. The Baltimore Ravens host the Pittsburgh Steelers. You will be able to hear coverage of that game that will start at 6.30, and the game itself will start just after 7 o'clock. So keep it locked right here on the score for all of your Sunday night football coverage. And then, of course, tomorrow is a Horizon Therapeutic Bears Monday. And uh, I will have the desire to talk not only about the present, but about the future of the Bears. And I was talking earlier in uh, in the post-post show this evening about the comparison between the two rosters. And I, I really – it was – in some ways, jarring just to see how different the Lions roster is, how different the Lions personnel feels than the Bears. You know, I mean, just offensively, some of the guys who, when they get the rock in their hands, look like a blur and run with power. Defensively, the pass rushers that they can access and the lack of separation from the Bears receivers versus the Lions secondary, it just... It just felt like a, a really a, just a more capable team. Now things can end up looking more, more disjointed, but also just the the physical abilities can appear more drastically different when one team is frankly just playing with more urgency, playing harder, playing with more confidence than the opponent. And there's no doubt Detroit was the team, especially as we got 
into the second quarter of that game, Detroit was the team that took hold, that was playing with aggression and fight that that the Bears were not. And you saw the confidence begin to dwindle in a way that we haven't really seen with this outfit very often this season in Chicago. But man, it, it's hard. It was hard not to watch that game and just think, wow, look at those receivers. Wow, look at those running backs. Wow, look at that offensive line. Wow, look at those DBs. Wow, look at those young pass rushers. There's a lot that, that Detroit has access to that, that is already on their roster that the Bears don't. I mean, you know, Dominique Robinson, he, he did have a sack today. It was a nice moment, but he ain't James Houston. He damn sure ain't Aiden Hutchinson. You know, it's just it's different. It's, it's a very different roster, very different lineup the Bears are working with right now versus what Detroit has available to them. 312-644-6767, Let me get back out to the hotline. We'll talk some Bears defense here in a moment, but I want to get Joe from Kenosha, who has been on hold for a minute. What's happening, Joe? Hey, thanks for taking my call, and thanks for working on New Year's Day, my friend. Oh, yeah, Happy New Year to you. I haven't even mentioned that. That's my bad, Tyler. Tyler Butabaugh, Happy New Year's to you. Happy New Year to everyone listening, and Happy New Year to How you, Joe. How about them Hawkeyes, my friend? Yeah, huh? there we go. Defensive touchdowns. Like That's we all we got to worry about, man. No, we, we got a wide receiver. We got a wide receiver playing DB. Now. No, we, we got yeah, it. Like Cooper it. DeGene needs to be on both sides of the ball. He had another pick six. He's got more touchdown catches as a defensive back than any wide receiver on the Iowa Hawkeyes roster right now. Get Cooper DeGene on well, offense. Well, yeah. We had a problem with quarterback for a while, so they, they tried their best. But, again, as Bear fans, we're aware how that works. You know, when you're just <laughs> Waiting out on a talented, QB. you're just out talented. Right, no doubt. And, but uh, the thing that scared me about today, and I think you hit it right on the head just a moment ago when you said the total lack of, of urgency. And it's one thing, you know, you know the season's ending and you're not going to the playoffs, but you're a paid professional. And when I see professionals, paid professionals, who don't take the proper pursuit angles week after week, I don't see tacklers breaking down to take on a blocker or to make a hit. I didn't see any Bears um, hitting. Now, I'm only watching from TV, so I understand I'm not seeing the whole thing. You get a field. chance to really break down the coach's copy of the film yet. Right. But I'm scared when I see a, a lack of. I see pro players who don't know how to play their position properly. And that's a coaching issue. And um, you hit on it earlier. You were talking about we gave up a second-round pick for Chase Claypool, and so far we're not really getting what we paid for. Now, it's early, and there's still time, but it's starting to – time is starting to run down, and, you know, we're we're running out of time this season. So I'm just wondering if this is alluding to a bigger problem – in who's evaluating the talent, and more importantly, who's developing the talent in this organization. Thanks for taking the call, Big Anthony, and I'll listen to you expand on it. I appreciate you making the call, Joe. I think it is a it is a more than fair question that does not yet have an answer to it. But it's it's certainly worthy of, of us paying attention to because it, it's, it's going to be an ongoing evaluation for, of, of Ryan Poles for the roster, that he puts together, and you folks have heard me talking about development back going you know deep into the the previous regime here in Chicago. Just you know players that the Bears 
would draft homegrown talent? How well was that talent developed? Now, the line of scrimmage was one thing, and frankly, even just the defense as a whole was one thing. But I think on on the offensive line, you can point to some examples there. You can certainly point to some examples on the D-line and linebackers and secondary for for homegrown talent that really emerged and began doing positive things. But chief amongst the, the concerns I've had for development has been offensive skill. And, you know, it's a bunch of spots where you can say, all right, the Bears missed on a guy here, running back there, receivers, you name it. But but offensive skill is is especially a slot that that has concerned me from a developmental perspective. And, you know, I think that this is something I've been addressing in this city for years now just in, in discussing the Bears. And it's a part of my hope that I've had in the way that Ryan Poles, the way that Matt Eberflus have described the current roster and talked about what they're hoping for with the future of the roster. They've used the word development more between the two of them, more than, than the pre in, in nowhere near completing a full calendar year in their roles. Now running the bears, they have talked about development and the roster being developmental more in this brief period of time than the entire time that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy were here together in Chicago. So that at least gives me gives me hope that they recognize how you build a winner, that they recognize how vital that is where when you when you draft players or when you sign young players to make sure and frankly even veterans on the roster to continue to hone their skills to give them elements of the game that they need to improve at and then have, you know, tacticians as coaches and, and work on the fundamentals of improving their skills at their particular position and how vital that is in them becoming better football players and, and being able to sustain success as an organization. So that very much matters. So I, I think it's a, it's a valid question. It's a worthwhile concern, Joe. It's one of these things, though, that will take multiple years to really evaluate whether or not the the development of the players on the roster really takes hold. You know, we played the clip, Tyler played the clip with even Justin Fields talking about Chase Claypool and and looking forward to having an off season with him, with the two of them getting together, going through routes just over and over, all the lonely work that's necessary before you even get to mini camps, OTAs, preseason practice, training camp, and preseason games, and the regular season. There are thousands of of logged hours of work that these guys put in, especially the ones who are at the at the pinnacle of it, who want to truly be at their best and put the work in to do so, then you put all that work in to prepare yourself to to be at your best, to improve at your craft. And so that matters. So that that's a part of where the development comes into it that that we can all be hopeful we'll see the results from. But you know, I think for Chase Claypool, as much as to me, it, it's time where, you know, a worthy concern is is there just for why why isn't he even a part of the offense in a game like today? While yet and still, it's you know he, he's been with the squad for less than half the season, and he does have a full off season, and then next year where the Bears have contract control, and they'll have to figure some things out. But he'll have an opportunity to to earn some next deal from the Bears if he earns it, and if he doesn't, then all right, they traded him for a second round pick, and he doesn't doesn't get a second contract from the Bears. But that opportunity will be there for Chase Claypool, and so it'll be a chance for them to continue to evaluate him. But I I wouldn't yet view Chase Claypool 
as a, as an example of a player that that isn't showing development here in Chicago, just because frankly he hadn't been in Chicago very long. Three one two six four four six seven six seven. Three one two six forty four sixty seven. 67. Let me get back out to the phone line. I want to talk some Bears defense after a moment as well. But let me talk to John, who is out in Las Vegas. John, what's happening? You're on the Post Post Show. Hi, guys. I have a two-part question, and I'll make it quick. The first part, um, the Bears play Minnesota next week. Does Minnesota need this game for to advance anywhere in the playoffs, or do they have it already wrapped up? Okay, so to answer your first question, Minnesota would still be in the conversation. Yes, the the Vikings have something to play for next week. Now they're they're getting their doors blown off by the Packers right now. So we'll see how the Vikings end up evaluating that aspect of it. But at the moment, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles are in a position to secure it's them or the Dallas Cowboys to secure the one seed. Uh, so depending on the results of the game today, I got to check the the updated standings. But at the moment, like coming into this weekend, the Vikings would have still had something to play for. All right. My second question, should the Bears play Justin Fields next week or at least take him out the second half? Oh, all right, John. I, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I, I, that's a, it's a good saucy question. It's a question that both Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields were asked about after the game today, talking specifically about whether or not it makes sense in, in games where we saw Justin Fields, whether or not Justin Fields, if it makes sense for him to to continue playing in today's game after things got out of hand, next week's game, Justin Fields was talking afterwards about specifically the competitive aspect, the competitive fire that he has for wanting every opportunity to be on the field with his team, every opportunity to take the field and compete in the game of football, he wants to take advantage of it. So that that was a good question from from John out in Vegas. Let's hear directly from the Bears quarterback on this topic. You know, anytime I get to play this game, I don't take it for granted. Anytime I get to play, I want to be out there no matter who, you know, who it's with. And, you know, the fact that I know that my guys are fighting for me and they know that I'm fighting for them, that's the all the motivation I need. So to be honest with you, I don't care what the scoreboard is. If I have the chance to go out there and play, I'm going to do it every time, and I'm going to play my hardest. So, yeah, there was, you know, full desire to play. So Justin Fields wants to be out there. Matt Eberflus, Bears head coach, wants him to be out there as well. He has Matt Eberflus in recent weeks, as the question has kind of come up in a few different ways, whether it's been Justin Fields with the, you know, the separated non-throwing shoulder or getting his foot stepped on and, you know, different things. where We've just seen him take a good amount of hits, and we see him on the sidelines frequently getting stretched out and dealing with cramps and, Today, kind of took a couple of hits, and you saw them using the little, you know, massage, poundy thing on his on his kind of hip, thigh area. Um, so he's you know, he's taking a good amount of hits. Part of that is as a runner. Part of that is guys get hit in the pocket as well. Justin Fields wanting to play is admirable. It's only a part of that equation, though. In the end, his desire to be out there certainly matters as a competitor, but if he were in some sort of medical peril, I was talking about this a little bit on Friday, if, you know, when you're talking neurological things or frankly just anything beyond that, most athletes as competitors will have a desire to take the field in, in most scenarios. It's up to the coaches and the medical professionals with those teams to at times save athletes from themselves. But specific to the fact that the Bears are a three-win team 
who are going to be somewhere towards the top end of the NFL draft. And to the, the caller, uh, John from Vegas, to, to his point about the Vikings potentially still having something to compete for. It looks like the Vikings will still be a, a 12-win team at the end of this weekend. So if the Vikings are 12-4, and four, then right now you got the Dallas Cowboys at 12-4, and four, the Philadelphia Eagles right now at 13-3. and three. Um, So will Minnesota have something to play for next week? I think that is still yet to be determined, just depending on all the, the results of how this weekend ends up playing out. But whether or not the Vikings have anything big to play for or not, Justin Fields has the opportunity to get better at playing quarterback in the NFL. That that matters. That that really matters. Now, he's played a bunch of games this season, and so if you get into that game against Minnesota, and let, let's say his, his ankle gets tangled up, and in some scenario where he could kind of limp through the rest of the game next week against Minnesota, but, you know, could I see Matt Eberflus or even if Ryan Poles gets on the bat phone and says, you know what, yeah, he's his leg's all twisted up. He can't necessarily protect himself as well as we would like. And, oh, by the way, Tevin Jenkins hurt his neck again and, and uh, Michael Schofield isn't out there either. And we don't really feel good about Alex Leatherwood. Anyway, we've got D- Dieter Eiselson uh, out there playing right guard right now. He can't really block anybody. So, you know what? Better part of valor here. Let, let, let's use a little bit of discretion with the QB. So we go into the offseason with him in one piece so he can get all this lonely work in with Chase Claypool. And whenever Darnell Mooney is healthy, we know he and Darnell Mooney have already been putting that work in last offseason, and uh, and they can all continue to to refine how they operate in this offensive system together. Just you know, build camaraderie. Just spend healthy time together working at the craft of football. And you want that to take place in a healthy manner where they can all run full speed and be prepared for that. So could I see a scenario where the Bears end up being cautious with Justin Fields if he in some ways gets banged up next week? Yeah, and I think that would probably be advisable. But to just say he just completely sits out the game, the last game of the regular season, when there's an opportunity for him to to break the huddle another 50 to 70 times and and continue to sort of just not sort of just but to completely hone his skills at the quarterback position you you don't want to take any of these reps for granted you you want every opportunity for Justin Fields to break the huddle evaluate an opposing defense direct traffic pre-snap make decisions and execute the quarterback position post-snap those are the best ways for him to get better at doing all the things that I just listed. You get better at playing football by playing football. You get better at playing quarterback by playing quarterback and not just being on the sideline and bubble wrap watching everyone else do it. So, you know, if Eberflus, Poles, both, neither, whomever, if it were decided in some way for Justin Fields to to not play next week, I would be surprised by it. Would it be shocking or would I feel like it's this grave missed opportunity that's going to cost him you know, the ability to be great next season and beyond? No. He's played a lot of football this season. He's done a lot of things. If, if he leaves this season, which he will likely go out, go out of this season without attempting 30-plus passes in any of these games this year, and that's been such a discussion topic this year as well, how many pass attempts he logs in a game. You know, in a game where the Bears only ran 50 plays of offense, 
It's going to be hard for him to attempt 40 to 45 passes when you're a team that has a run-first commitment like the Bears have had the entire time and will likely continue to have here. So he didn't throw the ball that well today, became more and more indecisive throughout the game. So it'll be great for him to play, in my opinion, it'll be great next week against Minnesota to watch Justin Fields take the field one last time, and especially because there were so many games consecutively here where Justin Fields was looking composed and efficient and accurate. And the game today was the outlier, not for the Bears team. as I mean, frankly, the game was an outlier for the Bears team as a whole as well because they just got their doors blown off and never had a response and just looked lost. We haven't seen the Bears as a team doing that, but specific to, I'd say, most of our chief concern, the Bears' second-year quarterback, Justin Fields, and his development, today was the, the first game in quite a while where, where he looked out of sorts. It's one thing, to, there, there's going to be certain games where maybe he's not completing chunk pass plays, or we've seen a couple of games here lately where, I mean, today was his best rushing game he's had in quite a while, but you know we, we've seen games where he hasn't had the occasional game where he hasn't had electrifying runs or ripped off big carries here and there, but he just he he looked uncomfortable. He looked out of sorts today in a way that he hasn't in quite a while. I wouldn't necessarily want this to be the last taste in, in the mouth of Justin Fields heading into the offseason. Certainly got the impression after the game that he doesn't want that for himself either. So that that's my thought on Justin Fields. I do before before I end up getting out of here, I want to talk a little bit about this Bears defense as well. Because it was a game where as I've talked about the, the playmakers available to the Detroit Lions. And, and credit to Jared Goff. I called, you know, I mean, there's a, a couple of forces between last night and my coverage on the Big Ten Network watching TCU upset Michigan. Sonny Dykes was Jared Goff's coach at Cal in, in the air raid offense. Shout out to, to the, the late, great Mike Leach and, and what he's done as, as an offensive innovator and a lot of the, the quarterbacks who have studied under him and offensive play callers who've gone on to – to do great things. Sonny Dykes, one of uh, one of Mike Leach's protégés, when Sonny Dykes was at Cal, he was Jared Goff's head coach and play caller in the Air Raid, or the Bear Raid, as they called it at Cal, the Cal Golden Bears. And Jared Goff was the number one overall pick when he came out and played with the Rams and, of course, led them to a Super Bowl appearance in a Jimmy Garoppolo-esque sort of manner. He did seem to maybe be the separating factor, one of the separating factors. But quarterback, you know, it's it's got it. There's an importance to the position of QB where if your QB isn't playing at an elite level and you don't win a Super Bowl, then you figure out, all right, well, how can we either get better play from our quarterback or if our quarterback is our ceiling, our limiting factor, then let's go get an upgrade. And the Rams decided to go get the more talented guy, Matthew Stafford. He helped lead them to a Super Bowl last year. But one of the reasons when Jared Goff came out in the NFL draft, and he and Carson Wentz were in the same draft cycle, and Wentz was the more physically gifted between the two guys. But it's one of the reasons that Justin Fields, to me, was one of the two best quarterbacks coming out in his draft cycle. I just I view the quarterback position, really just being a professional athlete and a competitor in general, but certainly quarterback, as far as that portion of the evaluation that matters a lot to me, is have you been tested? Were you tested in a major way at the collegiate level? And how did you respond to those challenges, to those tests? And Jared Goff, watching him play at Cal, you know, kind of carry a Cal program on his shoulders to a bowl berth when they were awful. 
his true freshman year. And he, he was one of these guys like me. Like I was always young for my grade. I was always the youngest kid in my class because I'm a late September birthday. And Jared Goff was always young for his class, always like competed up a grade and up a level at every step of his athletic competition, whether it was tennis or, or football, of course. And he's been, it feels like he's been in the NFL forever. And he's still in his late 20s, he's like 27, 28 years old. But it just, I, I did, it felt, it felt good and it feels good to watch Jared Goff play at the level he's playing at right now because you see Carson Wentz bouncing back and forth from team to team. And this team doesn't want him. That team can't stand him. And he was on the cusp of an MVP years ago and then nothing ever worked out for him. But watching Jared Goff perform at the level he does, you know, not only just against the Bears today, but on the whole. It uh, feels good to see somebody who's who's been through some things and is able to to find a way to sort of persevere in that manner. It looks like Detroit is one of the teams in this division that will not be looking for a quarterback, at least not next season, with the way they're performing right now. We'll see, though. Who else around the league is going to be trying to trade up to get to that Bears, wherever they're at, in the top two, top three, however this thing ends up going between now and draft time. Appreciate all of you who have called, who have listened in, to the Post Post Show. My thanks to my guy Tyler Butterball as well. As mentioned, tomorrow is a Horizon Therapeutic Bears Monday. I will be on with Bernstein and Holmes at 11 a.m. And uh, I'm taking you up to right now. You have Sunday Night Football coverage on the way between the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. My thanks. It's Anthony Heron on Twitter and Instagram at Big Ann Heron. This has been the Post Post Show on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.